Winter, look who's rounding now. Club going up on the Tuesday. Let's get this party started. Alright, alright. It's time for Topic Tuesday. And now normally, usually you would have your good karma here, but tonight, due to some technical difficulties, you're stuck with me. So hopefully you're not too bothered by that. But my goal is to present to you the same same type of quality, try to keep you entertained and, and whatnot. Um, not everybody can be karma, but she's here joining us tonight. Shout out to your good karma. How you doing? I am doing pretty good. Thank you so much for uh, hosting tonight, y'all. Had some really bad te- technical difficulties, but, you know, uh, when the big dog and the boss man is the boss, he stepped in when he got to, so it's all good, and I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Ah, there you go with all that boss stuff. Uh, <laughs> has to be some checks involved for somebody to so, be a boss. So, so you're not the boss? I'm just the guy who's responsible. Until for you- it all. Well, there for, you go. For, for it all. The vision in your head became reality. You're responsible for everything. So, shout out to you. Uh, well, there you go. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take it. I got to learn how to just take some praise every now and again. You know, I, I'm saying, especially for me, you know, I don't praise everybody. <laughs> That's so true. So true. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, uh, tonight, uh, the topic we have right now is why are people such skeptics? Why are people such skeptics? And this topic came about because of an article. An article that came out, and uh, people have been talking about it, and it's about Bank of America approving uh, new home loans for people that have, uh, for communities that are uh, black and brown, you know, where there's no money down, no interest. I mean, no mon- not no interest, excuse me. <laughs> no money down, um, no mortgage insurance, and uh, no down payment. You know, so... I have a, a audio no bit. credit check as well, and no credit check as well. And uh, I do have an audio clip here, and it led to a lot of a lot of different responses. Some that I wasn't, you know, anticipating. But uh, here's a soundbite. On August 30th of this week, Bank of America introduced a new first-time homebuyer mortgage program. And there's a lot of information about it. I wanted to make sure you get the most accurate information about the program. So number one is called the Community Affordable Loan Solution. And this is directly from Bank of America's press release about the program. It aims to help individuals and families obtain an affordable loan to purchase a home. So it's for first-time home buyers. Now, here's where a lot of the controversy and I think the confusion is coming in. So it says available in designated markets, including certain Black, African, Black, African-American, and or Hispanic, Latino neighborhoods, okay? So it's not for, because everybody's saying it's a loan for Black people, it's a loan for Hispanic people. It's not that. It's in those neighborhoods. Now, a little bit more detail about the program is zero down payment. So no down payment, no closing costs, okay, and no mortgage insurance. In their press release, they did not say a specific dollar amount. 
Bank of America has multiple programs. And I think some, you know, either YouTubers, some people are getting this confused with their other programs. But as far as their press release says, they didn't put a dollar amount. They just said zero closing costs. They said zero, um, they said zero down payment, zero closing costs, and no mortgage insurance. So there it is. You know, Bank of America launches this new uh, test pilot program. Now, it is in certain cities, and if I'm not mistaken, there's five. There's five cities right now. I think it's Charlotte, um, Los Angeles, Miami, Detroit, and uh, there's one more. Yeah, Charlotte, Los Angeles. Uh, What was that? uh, Dallas. And Dallas. Okay, so those five cities, those are the the test market for this um, this new thing that Bank of America is doing. I see it as a positive. And I do understand that there's a whole lot of, um, you know, uh, feelings about it where people have, you know, thought about the whole 2008 mortgage crisis and this is going to create the same type of problem and and whatnot. But I, I do think you can work things that work for you. You know what I mean? And uh, here was one of the responses I've seen on YouTube to this type of information. Bank of America announces zero down payment, zero closing cost mortgages, but not zero interest. Okay, them interest rates are going up and up and up. I have a 3% interest rate. How much will your interest rate be when you get a loan in one of these areas? Seven, eight, nine, ten percent And the interest rate will beat you to death. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> now, the, these are the type of responses that you've seen on, that I've seen on YouTube, that I've seen in the comment section. People are like, well, your interest rate is going to be high. There's going to be something wrong with it. And I guess my question is, why are some people initially skeptical to new information? Like, why is your initial response to something always skepticism? It's not positive. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, I don't know about that. And I've seen this in multiple areas of life, especially if you're trying something new, you know, with your life. If you want to do something different, become an entrepreneur, do anything that's outside of the norm or outside of the minds of most people, you immediately hit with skepticism about the things that won't work. You know, so I I wanted to know from y'all, why are some people initially skeptical to new information and why do you think that is? Where does skepticism really come from? And for those who are unfamiliar with the word uh, skeptical, it just means having doubt, you know, just having doubt to something. Carmine, see you unmute yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think that initially, I think, uh, it's kind of like fear of the unknown, right? So when something new comes out and it doesn't sound like what, um, everybody is used to, they immediately have to like pick it apart, right? Because they don't understand it. They don't, um, really know what to expect because a lot of people might not have walked through that certain door. Right. So like with this situation, like it's, it's, it kind of mimics something that happened back in the day, like they explained, but at the same time, some people are saying like, it's too good to be true. There has to be something wrong with it. And I think that that's another aspect to where like people think certain things are too good to be true. Well, why is that opportunity like that? You know, something has to be wrong with it. Sometimes it could be life experiences back in the day or 
um, you were hurt by something. I don't know. But me personally, I, I think it, it, it drains me like if something is new and good and that people can make work for them and people consistently like tear it down. I agree with you 100%. What I've come to find in my life, you know, and I can't speak for everybody, but is that usually when I'm met with skepticism, it's usually about new information or positive information. Never something negative. If I told some random person on the street that Bank of America is scamming people out of millions of dollars, I'm, it's met with no skepticism. It's, yeah, they, they've always been doing that. You know, uh, they're not for the people, you know, and, and things like that. But if it's positive information or if it's new information, it's always met with skepticism. And I wonder, does that have to do with, you know, life experience? Are people just not trustworthy? Have we all lived just such hard lives that the idea of something being positive and working for you is just out of the realm of possibility? Have we gotten there as a society? I wonder that sometimes. I really do. Because it's only new information and positive information that I'm ever met with any type of skepticism. Now, I do agree on this home buy, on this home loan situation. If you're not putting any money down, if you're not paying closing costs, and if you're not going to pay mortgage insurance, then sure, you might more than likely have a higher interest rate. But would you let a higher interest rate keep you from purchasing a home? Do the negatives outweigh the positive here in this situation with the fact that uh, Bank of America is letting people purchase homes in Latino and black communities for no money down, um, no mortgage insurance, and no closing costs? Do the negatives outweigh the positives for you to be skeptic about it? Um, I'll go first, and I'm going to say no. I have been looking at this thing since it dropped, like since the day the article came out, right? I have been looking at um, the, I've been looking at the history of Bank of America because everybody brings up Bank of America's history, right? They bring up how in 2008 they gave out all these loans and certain things happened to these people and they lost their homes and they were able to get a bailout and all this other kind of stuff. And for me, it doesn't outweigh it for me because at the end of the day, like and and here's my thing people will preach you need to get a house you need to get a house right but then when you have opportunity to get a house they're like but the interest rate is too high and you shouldn't do it well what if you know like y'all preach a $1200 mortgage is better than rent well people trying to go get a $1200 mortgage and y'all telling them oh that's not good you know, or people brought up, well, you'll never own it. Man, anybody could die in five years when they buy their house. At least they got a house. You know, lease is still like your property. It, it's a different thing. So for me, it's not going to outweigh, you know, I'm telling you, if they ever bring it to a city near me, I'm applying. <laughs> I, listen, I'm putting in my app. That's what I got. I agree with you on that. You know, um, I said earlier in the beginning, sometimes it's just making things work for you. Here's some of the comments I've seen on this uh, on this video. Um, this one person says, uh, it's a perfect opportunity. Families, uh, families that like each other should get together and support the most capable person, the most economically sound person in the family, most capable of paying bills on time. It's got to look good on paper. Uh, the banks don't have to know. 
Everyone pitches in for down payment. Everyone pays the yearly tax. Everyone helps with the repair expenses and whatnot. In 35 years, sell the house. Everyone gets a part of it as part of their retirement. I kind of like that idea. I like that idea. More houses in the family. More houses in the family. Support the person who can, you know, uh, who can do it. But I, at, at zero money down, zero closing costs, and uh, zero mortgage insurance, I, I think everyone who can take a crack at it, do it. If you're waiting for the perfect time to buy a home, usually the obstacles that, that, that hold people back are those three things I just said. You know, people don't have closing money, down payment money, you know, uh, mortgage insurance money. And a lot of the arguments were, well, if you don't have that, then you won't have enough to take care of the home, even after you purchase it. My thoughts are, take that chance. What's a better opportunity? A chance at having, or you go the, the other route, you know, and wait till you have all of these things first, when you're still going to be paying rent no matter where you're at. Still going to be paying rent. And I don't think they're going to do this for, for homes that aren't, you know, uh, up to date, aren't new. The bank knows what happened in 2008. And all the people that are concerned with bank bailouts and, and all of this other stuff, what do you care? <laughs> I mean, those are just my thoughts. What do you care? You worried about a bank bailout and where your taxpayer dollars is going? Would you rather it not go so that you can keep your house? You know, this economy gets trashed with all kind of decisions. At least this one, you're getting property. You know, but uh, I seen you like a bug. Uh, you got something on this? Two stacks can go first, and then I'll go. All right, you got it. Two stacks. Okay, so I heard about the program just like everybody else did, and I actually am that person who would be the one in the family who is the most fiscally responsible. I went to school for this. I'm used to it. It's something I actually actually enjoy talking about and enjoy doing. My problem with the program is they want the applicants to be in a specific neighborhood or specific neighborhoods if this goes well in the test cities. What that's going to do is that's going to have you in situations where you're in an area that is underappraised and you're going to have people over leveraging these mortgages. So you said that it's a good opportunity if you don't have, you know, if you don't have to worry about the down payments, if you don't have to worry about the credit requirements. If you don't have to worry about the private mortgage requirement of the mortgage insurance requirements, the type of people who will likely apply for this program are going to be people who are lower income. They're going to see it and they're going to jump on it. What can potentially happen is some of those people can end up in a situation where they are paying $300,000 worth of a mortgage that they can't actually afford. For a house that's only worth $175,000, that's well upside down, and they would never be able to get out from under it. And if they sold the house, it would be at a loss. And then what you said about everybody coming together and 
having the most responsible person live in the house and then everybody else pays in. I don't know a single family that that would work as much as I would want to see it work. Unfortunately, our black families don't typically operate like that. We can't even get along when grandma leaves money to everybody. So I don't know how this would work. And so that's my main concern is that if somebody does not have to pay those closing costs, you don't have any skin in the game. It's a likely chance that you're going to use that money on other things, such as furniture for the, for the home and things of that nature. You're not going to save that $5,000 to get that roof fixed. And then the other, my, my final point is everybody always says it's better to rent. I'm sorry, it's better to own than to rent. And people forget about those other costs. Your mortgage, matter of fact, I'll give you guys a, my personal example. My parents bought a house in 2004. The mortgage was $539. I live in Louisiana. After the insurance and everything added up, the insurance, the property taxes and everything, we're looking at $800. After Hurricane Katrina happened, $900. A couple years later, $1,000. The mortgage price never changed, but the other pieces of what you have to pay for did. And if you're in a situation where your income is not rising as this happens, you're going to be in trouble. And I just fear that so many good people would try to do this and not understand what they're getting themselves into. Man, you made it. Listen, man, I got to give you a round of applause. You brought a lot of insight and a lot of knowledge to that situation, man. Uh, I really appreciate that, Two Stacks, man. I appreciate you, uh, you know, um, hitting the speak button, man. Brought a lot of knowledge and insight to that. There are those things to look out for, for sure. You definitely want to make sure that you can afford it and whatnot. But I, I feel like as far as, you know, lowering the bar for some people, you know, uh, and eliminating some of the obstacles and hurdles that keep people from being able to purchase homes, you know, if there's any opportunity, if, if, if there's a better opportunity, I, I just don't see one. You know, um, just to say- yeah, go ahead. Just to say, just to say one last sentence. Qualify does not necessarily mean you can afford something. That is an absolute fact. Absolute fact. I see this situation no different than a. Um, it, it's like the reverse of a car with uh, no down. You know, with no money down. We all know if you go outside to purchase a car and you got bad credit you're going to get a higher interest rate. You know, so the the people that bought charges from the charges and uh, challenges from the tote-to-note spot, they're paying way more than the guy who, you know, qualified and got the zero down and, and, you know, zero interest. And, you know, he's driving it for 400 a month. And and possibly if you go into the tote-to-note spot, you're, you're paying, you know, 750 800 You know, sometimes they... They hit you with the every two-week thing. They don't even trust you for more than two weeks. So I get it. You will be paying more for that home. you know. But I do think that having something sometimes, just having something that you 
care about enough, that you want enough, will propel people to be able to do more for it. It's like, you know, um, I, I get what you said about the having skin in the game, you know, and, and people will jump out of it or think they can jump out of it very easily because they didn't put nothing into it, and yet they're still stuck with all these, you know, other things that they didn't consider. But there's nothing like having a home, something that you can decorate, something that you can, you know, put stuff wherever you want, something that feels like this is my piece and my portion. And I do think that people will grow into the ability to be able to do it. There's a lot of people now purchasing homes in this home market right now, paying 5.3% interest on houses that are, you know, the, the prices are, you know, inflated and stuff like that. But but they'll lose their car before they lose their home because it's theirs. It's something they want to fight for. It's something they want to have, you know. So uh, I'm for people taking that chance, you know, jumping on out there and, and getting into the home, the home buyer thing. Even if, you know, this program, your interest rate is high, I think people will fight for it. They'll They'll want to keep it, you know, and some people will lose, you know, just because they can't afford it, and you're right. I do agree. You're right. Anybody else want to get in on this? I do. You got the floor? Um, I just wanted to speak to a couple of points that Two Stacks made, and now I'm not, you know, necessarily educated in it. I didn't take any financial classes. I took economics, but that was ag economics, so that don't really count. But um, what I wanted to say was, in terms of like, you know, mortgages raising or interest rate raising or things like that, um, I believe that's what he said. I could be mistaken. Rent raises almost every year and and it's the same space. Nothing has improved about it. So I'm paying an inflated amount for the same space. I can't do anything about this space I'm in other than live in the same exact space and I have done no type of improvement in any way to get any money back at all if I did happen to leave from this space that I'm currently in because I'm currently renting. And there has been a lot of reports to where no matter where you live at, if you are a minority, your house will be underpraised because you are a minority. Um, because You can be in the most affluent neighborhood, but your house, because you are a minority, you have a whole bunch of black photos and black family stuff, it will be appraised less than the white counterparts or the white in your white neighborhood. So really, no matter where you go, whether it's in a low-income area or an affluent area, you're still going to be appraised less. Um, me, personally, for someone who has been renting for a while, um, I've seen the rent go up in a crazy amount because of inflation in Nashville. And I think for someone who owns a home, they're able to improve on their house. They're able to invest in their house. You can't invest in an apartment. You know, maybe you can invest in a townhome possibly, but you cannot invest in an apartment. Like that's that's just how it's going to be because you have to turn it right back to the way it was once you leave. Um, so I think a house can be a good investment, especially if you plan on staying there, living there, you know, possibly retiring there. You get to a point in your life where you don't have to pay mortgage or rent anymore. You get to enjoy your home and enjoy your life and spend that money on other things. Um, but I also think it's important to make sure you get a home that you can afford. We were approved for 400000 last year, um, but best believe we were not looking for a house for 400000 We were looking for 250000 or less because we were being realistic. Like, we knew what we could afford every month. So I think you're definitely right in that regard. And I agree with 
to um like a bug and then i just wanted to ask two stacks like a question because he is like knowledgeable like in finances right so with a program like this it won't come around again for whoever knows how long right so what is the advice that you would have for people who are interested in this and who who do have the mindset of like look there is probably no way that i'm going to have $12,000 for a down payment at any point in my life, right? Just the way things are. I might have three kids. <clears throat> I might have child support. I might have something going on to where I will never have this. What do you tell that person? My answer to your question is very simple. If, you, if you're someone who is extremely interested in this program and you know, you're going to go ahead and do it, make sure that you are firmly entrenched in your career. You're not job hopping unless you are having a jump of 20 to 30 percent of income that you want to stay in this house and you are not going to sell it after five or 10 years. And that you are not going to continuously look to, to refinance and restart your 20 or 30 year term over again. And finally, make sure that you do not retire. Until this house is paid for, unless it is some sort of debilitating health issue where you don't have a choice. Man, that's some great information, man. Great information. I think one of the things that that Two Stacks uh, was saying indirectly, or maybe the thing that I caught from it earlier, was that you're going to potentially, with this program, you're going to potentially be living in a a homeowner's section eight type neighborhood. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you, if you were saying that that's kind of what I'm getting from it, you know, somewhat, somewhat, yeah. because again, like, uh, like, like a bug said, we tend to just have lower appraisal values just because it's us for no other reason than that. And the other thing that I was saying is that you have to, you know, again, you have to make sure that you're going to stay there because a lot of people forget you buy a car. That's five or six years. You buy a house for most of us. Excuse me. That's 30 years. So you are effectively sentencing yourself to work for the next 30 years. If your goal is to pay this house off, unless you're going to get a job that doubles your income and you have the discipline to say my house note is $1,500, but I'm going to pay $3,000 to pay it off faster. Personally, I'm more so of a fan of a 15 or 20 year mortgage, but I understand that not everybody has the funds and the income to be able to support a higher mortgage payment. So that's most definitely understandable. But then buying a house in general, you're telling yourself, I have to work until this is paid for. And that's a whole lot longer than it is to pay for a car. Big time. Big time. I agree with you there. Just the actual thought of uh, living in a homeowner's uh, Section 8 neighborhood would be enough for me to just, yeah, I'm kind of good on that. You know, if if everybody here got the same program, you know, you would think, hey, it's just a lot of good working people, you know, people like yourself. And then you realize, hey, uh, because I do moving, you know, as a um, 
entrepreneurial thing, I I tend to know, you know, what type of people is living in the in those type of situations. So it I would be uh, I'd be on the fence about doing it if everybody if the whole community has to be that. You know. And I had to jump in and say one more thing because you, you brought up the section eight point. I the apartment complex I used to live in, you never saw anybody outside. They did not take section eight. And to make it very simple and plain, everybody was inside because everybody had to go to work the next day. You can go outside at two o'clock in the morning and grab something from your car. Super quiet because the complex was right across the street from a bunch of homeowners. So you didn't have that that risk. Hey, I agree with you. I I, I would I'd prefer na- I'd prefer neighbors that gotta go to work. You know what I'm saying? But with this, it might be a little bit different because if everyone has a mortgage, you know, it's not subsidized in the sense to where, you know, the the loan part is subsidized, but the rent part, I mean the 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 mortgage part, you gotta pay. And because of that, I think, you know, people will get, you know, they'll get to the moving. You know what I'm saying? But there'll be a few stragglers. Somebody who Question though. You got it? Oh, sorry. Um Let's say, you know, a lot of low-income people do get the mortgages and stuff. Um, and if they default on it and there's a lot of foreclosures, could that bring the property value down of everyone else around them? Absolutely. I want to say, I don't like how y'all talking about my people. <laughs> y'all is tripping. Not Section 8, not you better than the people that got approved for the same loan as you. Now, I'm not why, saying better. Why, why not? Why y'all going there about <laughs> people, bro? <laughs> well, I'm I'm just saying. I, I think. Oh. I think what he's saying is that some Section Eight recipients would be some of the first people to try to apply for this. So it'll be the same type of people. They just have a house. That's a good one. Good one. You know, I, I do agree there. And uh, to catch everyone up to speed, anybody who's joined afterwards, um, what we're talking about right now is a program, new program from Bank of America um, that's going to give uh, people access to homes now with no money down, no closing cost, and no mortgage insurance if the home is purchased in a Latino or Black, a predominantly predominantly Latino or Black neighborhood in five select cities in this new um, test pilot thing. They're, they're trying it out. They're trying it out. So that's that's what this is about. You got the floor. Seems right, like man. a great program. I was saying it seems like a great program because one thing you guys got to remember is people who, uh, I know as Two Sacks was saying about being good with your money and paying your house off for 15 years, but people who don't qualify and have uh who aren't good at their finances won't be doing that no way. So they just slow pay their house, and at least they have a house, you know, and a payment they can actually. Sorry about that. I accidentally uh, muted everyone. Apologize. I'm not used to uh, being a host here. Uh, Razman, you um, you can un- unmute yourself. Apologize for that. Yeah, my my thought was complete. I was just saying that you know. People who aren't that good at their finances need a lower payment anyway because, you know, they're just not going to do it. So, you know, they're going to be paying 40 years on a house and they'll be fine with it. But at least they have a house, you know, and they'll be happy there. I agree with you on that sentiment. Um, 
especially with the with just the thought, you know, I said this earlier, just about, you know, if you have something, you know, worth going to work for, you'll you'll do it. I just believe people will. You know, if you get into that home, the looks on people's faces, um, you know, from doing moving and seeing how happy they are, you know, to be in that new space, you know, and, and you know, to be able to, you know, decorate it and, you know, and just walk in your grass and, and be able to tell somebody, get off your property. You know, that, that feeling, you know, is something that, yeah, I'm going to go to work for. You know, I'm going to make sure that no matter what, I got enough to pay for that. Because that that feeling, I, um, the saying I always hear, um, a, a mind is like a wallet. Once it expands, it can never contract. Once people get a taste of that feeling, they'll never want to rent again. You know, they they can't go back to that. You know, after knowing that you can do anything you want here. Now, it'd be different if it's a HOA. You know, I'm I'm not a big fan of those. You know, I know it makes sense, um, financial wise for, you know, your property value to stay a certain kind of way and it forces your neighbors to keep the yards clean and all that other stuff, but I'm for the freedom, you know, so no HOA for me, but that's a whole different topic. Um, let me jump into the second question that I have for you before um, before we close things out. Do you think having success in a certain area of life can curb skepticism? The reason why I came up with this question because I thought about it. Most people that are skeptical of new information or positive information is because they their mind hasn't been there yet. They haven't experienced enough good or or one enough in a certain area to be able to not be skeptic. You know, if you've always got the shit end of the stick, you know, so to speak, you're going to be skeptical to certain information. You know, but do you think success can help curb skepticism? Um, I'm going to say no, because you got to look at some very successful people that we have now. And it's always a but behind why they're successful. Right. So you could take the famous Kardashians. Yeah, they're, they're, they're rich and they're pretty, but. Right. They had to do this to get there. And we can never do this. You can even take Oprah. Yeah, Oprah's rich, but she did this with white people and but, but, but. People will always have a but when their minds, like you said, can expand like a while. And when you when you haven't seen it, when you haven't done it, you always gonna side eye it because you can't even fathom how that person got to that success point from where you are right now. So there's always gonna be a but and uh skeptics will always exist. I get what you're saying, but the way I was putting the question out there, I was saying if the person themselves, if the skeptic themselves you know, acquired success, do you think their mind would change about being skeptical? You know, as far as like, let's say Kim Kardashian prior to, you know, the sex tape or whatever, you know, might have been a skeptic about certain things. But her having the success that she has now, you know, with clothing lines and perfumes and things like that, I bet she's less skeptical to to new information or positive information what I've seen in people that I've come across is usually those who are doing well, if I present them with new information, their answers use their response is usually, that's interesting. I haven't heard that. You know, versus someone who is a little different, you know, let's say not as well put together or not as successful, 
it's usually met with, I don't know about that. You know what I'm saying? Have you looked into all this? It could be a trap. You know, and I, I come to find that there could be a trap in the in the automatic skepticism usually, in my experience, goes hand in hand with someone who hasn't experienced success in a certain area in life. Any thoughts on that? Razman, two stacks, amen, y'all. Feel free to jump in on that. Or your good karma. Um, I was going to say, when like the example that you're using, like once they have success, I think, yeah, maybe in that er- area, they would be like, oh, you know, it's possible and all that. But I just think being a skeptic is just who we are. It's just how our brains function. We always going to, you know, when the unknown is there, you're always going to put mind hurdles um, about something. That's good. That's good. I mean, hey. So once a skeptic, always a skeptic. I don't know. Put your hand down. Not a skeptic. <laughs> um, I find myself skeptical of information usually when I'm skeptical of the individual who's delivering it to me. So usually, if if you know somebody's bringing me some type of news story or whatever. Depending on depending on the person and if I know them well, you know, I'm like, oh, okay. You know, this this leans towards your bias or or towards the things that you believe. So I'm a little skeptic of it. You know, but um from a stranger, I guess it just depends on I guess the way I see them. But yeah, qualifies as a skeptic as well. You know, skeptic of information. But I do think that the success has made me less of a of a Certain, a little bit of success, not a whole lot, but a little bit as an entrepreneur to where I can live off of just entrepreneurial money has made me not a skeptic in the area of business. I believe in people's plans. You know, I believe anything is possible in that realm now. I'm less, I'm not a skeptic or less of a skeptic in the area of business, but in other areas, still a skeptic until, you know, something happens to me in that area you know, to change my mind. And can I just say something real quick? Like, even if you are a skeptic about something, right, just don't let it stop you from, like, trying. So we could talk about this in this home loan, whatever, or if you want to be an entrepreneur or whatever. Like, even if you're skeptical, like, you should still try to go see what it's hitting for, what it's talking about, in whatever area that you're skeptical in. Like, to to sit back and always be a skeptic is kind of ignorant in a lot of ways. So whoever's listening back to this, whether it's that home loan or whatever it is, I still think at some point you should just go after what you don't know. Good stuff. Good stuff. And because it was positive and new information, somebody's still going to be skeptical. <laughs> but it just is what it is. We're all a skeptic and we all fall into that realm. Listen, I want to thank everybody for participating tonight. And uh, anybody want to li- give the last statement or say anything before we close close out tonight? Well, all right then. Uh, we'll catch you cool cats next week and I appreciate y'all joining us.
and special special shout out to Two Stacks, man. You dropped some amazing knowledge tonight, man. Really appreciate you, man. You you came in and did your thing. Remember to follow the podcast and come back next week, Thursday at 8.30pm live on Podbean. Thank you.